Hey everybody, welcome to the Beautiful Shifts podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Chantel. We're so excited to share with you some inspiring stories. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now it's easier to walk. I can see the road before me. I am not afraid to fall. Uh, welcome to the Beautiful Shifts podcast. I am excited today to have one of my great friends um, from long, long ago, Ryan Smart. And um, I've just been excited about this interview since he said yes. So thanks for saying yes. Oh my gosh, I'm excited to be here. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. He's got a great story. So, all right. So I'm going to read the bio that Ryan provided us. So Ryan was born in Salt Lake city, Utah, and had an eclectic upbringing. His family moved from Utah to Mexico, Georgia, and then to San Diego, California, where he spent his teenage years living in a variety of places, introduced him to people and cultures that have shaped who he has become today. Ryan attended Brigham Young University, where he studied marketing and advertising, and then moved back to California, where he earned his master's degree in organizational leadership. Most of his career has been in marketing and the home building and home improvement space in the U.S. and Latin America. He started a few different brands where he developed his creative talents. Recently, Ryan followed his passion in starting his own design firm, Smart Studio Designs, and plans to ride this train to the next adventure. And today we'll be talking with Ryan about his life transition of leaving corporate America to start his own company, even when he felt it was risky and too late. So thanks so much for that. And yeah, we're, I love that. I want to give a little background of how I know Ryan. (laughs) So I've known him my entire, well, I guess his entire life because I'm older than him, but our moms grew up together and we're best friends. And then our families lived next to each other in Stansbury Park, Utah, and um, we just kind of grew up together, went to Lake Powell, vacations together, family get-togethers. And um, I feel like for a while, like our paths kind of like, you know, we went to school, we got married, we had kids, but I stayed pretty close to your mom because I lived next to her in San Diego and she was kind of a, her and your dad were my kids' kind of grandparents, sit-in grandparents while we were in California. And, but I have such fun memories of Ryan <laughs> and I was trying to pick which one would be the funniest because we got a few but um he spent a lot of time of our at our house growing up because my brother and him were friends as well and my story and I'm sure you're probably going to guess which one but there's a couple but one of them was when we were eating dinner at our house and my mom and dad told you you had to try asparagus and you swallowed it whole and then choked on it and pulled it back out of your throat <laughs> and we would laugh about yeah. that and talk about that forever because you were such a good sport to eat it, but you could tell you were going to get, you were gagging and there's no, you're like, how did I uh, decide to do this? And I, you did it and it came right back out. <laughs> yep. Well, your mom was actually a good cook. That was the sad thing is my mom sucked at it and she knows that. <laughs> and so actually good food. I just didn't learn to, to appreciate how much later. Like, What's I an do asparagus? enjoy asparagus yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, totally. So uh-huh. it's been fun to kind of reconnect with Ryan. And I just knew when we kind of started this idea of this podcast, and I had known that he it was just starting out this new company that he would be one of my top picks for an interview because I think you're just fun and insightful and it's a cool, just a cool story. So yeah, we're excited to hear it. Thank you. <laughs> for sure. So um, we were just wondering if there's like a little interesting fact or story you'd like to share to just kind of like help us and the audience get to know you a little better. Yeah, well, I... 
No, I'm not trying to think of anything great. But yeah, Chantil was definitely the sister I never had. So I, oh, had, I was brought up in a family of four boys. Uh-huh. And um, ironically enough, now I have three daughters, and I, which I prefer. I always wanted to have boy and girl. But if I had to choose one gender, um, the girls are way more fun. I've, <laughs> I've learned that emotionally it's different, yeah. but, um, they, they love their dad. So, Aww. yeah, so that's been, that's been a fun, a fun little journey for us, but yeah, so I'm raising three girls and, um, just living here in Southern California and loving it. That's nice. Awesome. And what, what part of Southern California? So I live in Orange County. It's okay. uh, Laguna Niguel is where we live. Oh, and nice. my office is just here in beautiful Laguna Beach. And that's where that's where I'm coming from you today. Ooh, awesome. lucky, that sounds lucky. Yeah, I want to be there. I know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, okay, so we thought because I, we think it's really interesting, you know, the different places you've lived growing up with your childhood. And so we thought it'd be interesting to kind of elaborate on some of those experiences that shaped you from the different places that you lived. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really the beginning of the story. My dad used to say, you know, you can have roots or wings. And I always remember the being benefit to both, but growing up, you know, Chantel, your brother was a good friend of mine. And I remember kind of moving around and being very jealous of people who stuck in one place, right? They like had these lifelong friendships and people would go to the same schools the whole life. And and I was just all over the place. You know, like I said, I lived in, I moved when I was 10 and moved to, to Mexico. And this was, remember, before social media right. or even cell phones. So for me to call yeah, my like grandparents email or, or anything, cousin, yeah. yeah, no, there was no email. So it was really expensive. So we were cut off, right? So we would come back in the summertime to visit, which really helped me keep some of those, those friendships. And then we moved um, my mom always wanted to get back to Utah, but we ended up moving to Georgia for um, a short minute, which we realized uh, was not home <laughs> for my family. <laughs> a great state, but it was just a very different, I mean, Mexico was its own culture and so was Georgia. So then my dad took a job in, in San Diego where, where they stayed and then I kind of hopped around quite a bit. So yeah, I went to three different high schools and I think the nice thing is... You know, now that any questions come up in my life where I have roadblocks, I just have this really great, I call it kind of filtering system, right? When you when you learn about, for instance, there was a big topic of like immigration. Well, immigration is really different when you know Mexico culture firsthand, right? So my viewpoints on immigration were different because I had faces and names that went along with that, right? And then when I learned, uh, I remember U.S. history and was in Georgia and you had people who, you know, I went to a basketball game in the 90s and walked into the gym and I saw white sitting on one side and black sitting on the other, right? This was still the 90s, and but it, it was different. I remember sitting with this girl that I knew and her name was Timby. She happened to be black and she kind of looked at me like, why are you sitting here? And my brother was on the basketball team. And I remember my mom, if you know my mom, she's very loud and, you know, very loving. And she went up and, and hugged one of the basketball players after the game. And later that basketball player said, I've never had a white woman hug me, hug me before. Mm, right. This is stuff that is, if you're living in one area your whole life, so much of what you believe, oftentimes it's just a smaller circle. It's not good or bad. It just 
is different. Um, so for me, I just feel the benefit was my overall thoughts and benefits. I just feel like I've, it's a very, it's a more expansive um, view and, and it will continue to evolve. I mean, but it has been, it's been, a, I would say a wonderful, a wonderful piece of moving around so much. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I can, yes, I do know your mom and I can definitely picture her doing that and feeling no yeah. like reservation. Like, of course I'm going to hug you. Like, yeah, yeah. she'll hug way. anybody or take you home and yep. you never know what's <laughs> yeah, going to happen. She, yeah, for sure. She is kind of like, I, yeah, she'll say that I, and it makes me feel very good that I'm like the daughter she never had and she's like a second mom. So it's Aww. been super yeah. great, but yeah, she's awesome. Um, yeah, that's a, such a cool, I mean, cause I feel probably like I, I've, I mean, I only lived in Utah, California, Utah, and I feel this envy of, you know, what you experienced. And then I have this wow, I got to move somewhere so my kids can experience what you've experienced because you can't experience those things without being and putting yourself in that place and in that situation. And you want your kids to have that well-rounded like view you have on these different cultures and things you can't know unless you're, you know, in it. Yeah, same. And I love what your dad said. The um, Remind me of the roots versus wings. Like, Yeah, I said you can have, you know, roots or wings. Okay. And that was kind of being like their, their benefits, right? There's that stability of, of beauty of being in one place, but um, a, it can't take off. And someone who is out flying, you know, they don't get that ability to really to sit, but they have a different view. So mm-hmm. there really are, I think, really great benefits to, to both. There's some rewards. And I think now, because communication so much broader because people are sharing more thoughts and information. I, I think the ability to, to at least see both sides is, is available at least now. It just has to be intentional. You have to want, uh, you have to want that. That's a good point. Yeah. I like that. You can kind of have both a little easier now, but right. it's really neat that you had those experiences to shape you. So yeah. Really cool. I would just, um, a little more, maybe if you want to expound, I would just think about your family, like your upbringing. What do you feel like your vibe in your home? Like, I mean, I kind of know it a little bit Well, your younger vibe, I guess, but like with the four boys and kind of mm-hmm. a little bit, maybe of your childhood, just. Yeah. I mean, and you know, like I said, if I go off topic, you just always steer me back. But okay. what was interesting <laughs> is growing up in, in a small town uh, where everyone had the same belief system, right? So it, I grew up in small town, Utah. We're very known for being members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I remember looking at like in second grade, the president of the United States, and he was this white man. And I noticed that the leaders of my church were white men. So I remember thinking, oh, you have to be LDS to be the president of the United States. <laughs> You know, and, and just, you just, I always say, depending on how you grew up, right, if you are a Catholic in Rome, you aren't really going to have the opportunity to even question some of your cultural beliefs, just because it's just natural, right? I always say life, life kind of just happens to you. You are worried about just your parents kind of are taking care of you and you're just figuring out day to day. But if you're a Jewish person growing up in Rome, that's a very different experience, right? All of a sudden that's changed. So when I was 10, I went from the majority of everyone I knew either being of the same faith or at least understanding it, right? They were the minority, so they somewhat catered to the majority. So I didn't really, I kind of felt this um, confidence level being in Utah that I was just, I had people knew my parents, people understood my faith. I didn't question it. And then I moved to 
uh, Mexico. And I remember people asking me, like all my friends were going through communion or, you know, they'd go to very, very Catholic. Mexico is very Catholic. Um, and they would say, what are you? And at the time I said, I'm Mormon. And I said, what is, what's that? Yeah, what is that? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. It's, you know, and so, and then I remember my teacher in history, there was like a one paragraph about um, U.S. history that talked about what she, she was Mexican. So she would say polygamy. And I was like, um, <laughs> I think that's polygamy. And actually that's not what we believe. And she was like, no, it's here in the book. I'm like, let's nope. You know, that's, that's a different book than what I've read. And so it was really cute. She actually said, Hey Ryan, will you teach us about your religion? And so I remember being like, and if you know me, I'm fairly vocal. And so I was like, okay. So, but what I had to do at a young age, so I went from being the only American boy in my grade to the only member of my faith in my grade. So I was confronted with my faith a lot earlier, right? And, you know, we'll kind of get into this maybe a little bit later, but everybody from your career to your marriage to your faith, you kind of have this just overarching view of what maybe you've been up you've been brought up with or what the world has said. And until you're faced with a crisis in any of these, that's really where you dig in and find out, you know, what you're made out of. Um, so that was, I think, kind of the, the big thing is I grew up in a very religious home, but I think my parents were always open-minded. Um, and that's, I shouldn't say always, I would say because we moved and all of a sudden I saw different people believing different things and they were good. It really, help me. And I love people. I mean, that's something I genuinely say. I really enjoy um, getting to know people. And so I realized, oh, we can believe different and still be friends, but I still want to know what I believe. Right. So I had to really kind of dig through that um, to figure it all out. So yeah, and you anyway, kind of feel like most people at some point have to do that, right? You, you know, you have to, I think, I think that's the important thing is um, I mean, you could turn it away. They say ignorance is bliss in some cases. Yeah. And, if, and if that's how people want to take on challenges of the world, you know, again, that's maybe being, if you're rooted, that's something you might be able to do. But I think anyone who's experienced true happiness has confronted challenge. Right. And, and everybody and ends it. up in a different place. And some people, I think like you, you were kind of almost forced to face it way early when mm -hmm. a lot of us face it way later in life for different reasons. And so it's kind of right. a cool process because that, yeah, growing up here, that's kind of the majority of the story, but even moving to California, even though I know you're there now, it was like a, a little bit of a cultural shock as well. Like, oh wait, not everybody is LDS or not most people are. Yes. I mean, it's just a different, and like you said, any culture, if you live in a certain area and that's what the majority is believing or thinking or even the ethnicity or whatever, and then you move and you're like, oh wait, this is, this isn't, Utah's not like everywhere. It's actually yeah, totally. <laughs> the opposite. <Right>. Yes. <laughs> so, that's awesome. 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 And then you, I just, so we kind of know you said, oh, you, you're the second oldest, right? So you have an older brother, two younger yep. siblings. Got an older brother, two younger ones, and they're all over the place. So my older brother is in Oregon, uh, owns his own company up there. My younger brother right under me he actually worked for the nba and he's been in hong kong for the past seven years and we just found out yesterday he's moving to new york city so we're very excited oh, wow. to get him That's cool. stateside and but then my youngest brother's in arizona yeah my mom is very 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 excited so so is he it'll be great 
Right. That's mm-hmm. super awesome. I remember one thing I've taken from your mom, actually. I remember when we lived by her, you guys were all left out of the house except for your youngest brother. And I remember that she was like, my boys will be close and I will make sure they are. And so she was very much like, have you talked to your brother? Did you call your other brother? You know, like, and I thought (laughs) at the time, I didn't feel like I was as as close to my siblings as I wanted to be. And I was like, okay, like you have to make an effort. There's no, we're just automatically going to close, especially if you're living across countries and states and different things. And so I made a one, I made a bigger effort with my own siblings to be closer. And then now as a parent, I can see just the joy of a parent seeing your, I mean, your kids be close to each other is huge. And I just remember your mom, that little like thing, my, okay, okay, I'll make sure that I, even if it's a little bit like, Hey, did you reach out to, you know, Mm. like to stay close? Even if my kids are still at home at this point, it's like some connect more than others. So it's like, Mm. Oh, Hey, maybe you should reach out to your sibling and maybe share that song that you liked because they would probably love it or something. But I get the feeling you and your brothers are close and your mom, but I felt like she she is her personality. Like I will make sure they are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think, well, I think you know that when you said you have to make an effort. And um, as you know, my my brothers who have all taken very different paths mm-hmm. um, than me. And I remember thinking, you know, as they went through their own faith transitions and different belief systems, there was this part of me that uh, I think when anyone goes through maybe even like, say, a challenge in a marriage or a career or faith, there's this feeling of and like betrayal right like all of a sudden you aren't you aren't what I thought you were and I grew up excited with a, my family we were we were close I was definitely I don't like to use the term black sheep because it's negative my brothers are just these awesome intelligent like good-looking athletic guys and I felt I always tell my parents I'm like I felt like you were given three golden retrievers and then you got like a parrot right like <laughs> like what do I do with this like talking bird all the time and so it was one of those things where I realized you know what I can sit here and wonder what this relationship is like or I'm gonna go make an effort um, and so I chose to to keep relationships and so I remember my brother going through a rough time when he was overseas. And so I texted him. I said, hey, I want to come out and visit you. And he said, yeah, that'd be great. So I booked a ticket right then, right? And then I went and visited my brother in Oregon. And we just started having good conversation. I think anybody, if you sit down with them, we always have way more in common than we have different. It's just unfortunately some of those triggers that are different tend to take stage yeah. Um, and that's unfor- and that's unfortunate. So you have to a want that relationship, and then be willing to work for it. And that's an, I think that's in any any stage of life, right? For sure, that's super yeah. similar with with the bro- my brother that you're friends with, Eric. I feel like for a long time I felt like we had nothing in common, and he, that he resented me for different reasons. And then when I moved back to Utah, I made the effort. Like we're so close now, and we have so many things that we share in common. Things we don't, but we can talk and have deep meaningful conversations that we never really had had before and it's it's a it's a beautiful thing yeah that's really that's cool. awesome so yeah all right now that we know a little bit about your background we can move to the yeah transition. more than you wanted to know <laughs> no that was so good Love all that um okay so kind of going moving on to your life transition um well actually back to the point where you graduated like college we're just where did your career path take you from there and then um yeah, just maybe kind of give us an overview of your career and life progression from there. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, so my parents didn't go to college, which was, um, 
kind of an interesting fact. My dad was very successful, but he didn't go to college. So I didn't really have parents to guide me through what happened. I just always thought you went to college and I grew up in an area of San Diego that was fairly affluent. So I just assumed, all right, world, hand me my job and a great paycheck and I'm going to live in Rancho Santa Fe like I should and I deserve <laughs> nice things. So let it all come in, you know? And so I, I, there was a career fair. My sister-in-law worked for a company called Pulte. So I actually, I'm, I'm a worker just in nature. So I love to work. So I actually managed a Wells Fargo bank in college. I loved it. I always say I went to the University of Wells Fargo because I learned so much from working more so than, than school. But it was a career fair and I was recruited to work for a home builder. Um, at the time, a national home builder. My sister-in-law in Vegas had worked for one in, in the sales department and was super successful. And I thought, perfect, this is going to be great. So I graduated and I was married in 2005. And then we moved in like February 2006 to Southern California to um, Ranch Cucamonga was the closest city to the office at the time. And I started working and then the great recession hit and i remember there were my first day i w- went into the office and all of a sudden a bunch of coworkers said did you get an email did you get an email and i was like no i don't what and i don't know so i sat at my desk and all of a sudden i didn't get an email but about seven people had and after the first one came back and right i'm in my i'm 26 at the 25 at the time and this older gentleman i remember him in his 60s came back with a pink slip right i didn't even know what that meant and it turns out he was laid off and so every other person who had gotten an email was laid off and i just had never like this sounded like something from the history books, right? Like, I didn't know you got laid off. I'm in my 20s and just thinking, so I stayed on and then the market just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And so there were about 16 rounds of layoffs. And I finally was down to me and my boss. And this was over a four-year period. And at the very end, we, just to put in perspective, when I started our our company in Southern California had about 800 employees in four different cities, San Diego, Orange County, LA, Riverside. And we got down to less than a hundred. Wow. And my boss just came to me one day and she had tears in her eyes and she said, Ryan, we, we can't afford to keep you. And I had just bought my first home and Mm -hmm. I had just had my first daughter. And I remember going home, sitting in my master bedroom against the wall thinking my wife wasn't home at the time thinking how I'm going to tell my wife that I don't have a job that I can't provide for our family. Right. Which is, as a provider is the worst possible thing you can think of. Um, and they, I came home and I, I married pretty much a perfect woman and she just, I just broke down in tears and she said, honey, it's going to be okay. And I was like, well, how do you know? It's not okay, right? Like, what do we do? And like, this is, yeah, the opposite of like, I didn't know what, I didn't even know what to do. And I remember calling my dad um, because I said, dad, what do I, what do I do? Right. Everyone was short selling their homes. Now this all makes sense to everyone who's been through it. Right. But if you're there at the time, I remember um, they kept me on as a consultant, but I said, 
And fast forward, I eventually got a job um, from someone I met, but it was in Atlanta. And um, so I was like, hey, listen, beggars can't be choosers. So let's move to um, Atlanta. And then I had to short sell my house. And I didn't even know what that meant. I remember writing letters to people and saying, hey, can you lower the principal and all this crazy stuff. And um, anyway, I ended up moving to Atlanta for work. We had to short sell our home. Um, and we were there for about a year and a half and, and moved back to California. But overall, so my, I kept, I worked with different home builders within the home building industry as a product manager. And, uh, but it just wasn't, I guess I would say, I just kind of was shocked that corporate America wasn't this easy path with all these toll gates that you just, everyone went through and became successful. Hmm. Right. That's so interesting. And I actually, we must be similar ages because we, my husband and I had a really similar story as yours. I mean, he was working in an investment firm, a smaller investment firm here in Salt Lake and same thing. He ended up getting laid off, um, pretty early in that recession. And it was a really hard year. Luckily we hadn't gotten into a home yet. So we were house sitting. And so we had a little less stress that way, but you know, we had a child. I was soon pregnant with our second and yeah. So I totally like that's bringing back all those emotions for me. So, oh, totally relate. Yeah. And it was a crazy time. Well, like, it, and you're, I love how you explained it. Like we didn't really know either. We were young and you know, all these terms being thrown around about recession. Yeah, you didn't really know what it, cell, like, yeah. Like, what does that even mean? Kind of just learning as we went, but. Yeah. And I remember being judged quite a bit too, because short selling your home. I remember the lady, she was actually our VP of mortgage when I worked for the home builder. And I said, Hey, what do I need to do? Right? Like I, I grew up with this high integrity. You don't, you don't just stop making a payment on your house. And she said, Ryan, the banks will not listen to you until you start defaulting. And I was like, what? That's reality. Yeah, it's hard. That And, you know, you can watch the movie, The Big Short. You can see, I mean, it is a, a perfect picture of exactly what happened. But when you are 26 and you're thinking, I'm going to be this successful, great provider, great husband, and then all of a sudden the world rears its ugly head and you are faced with the negative consequences of other people's actions, it really... It, you just don't know what to do and you end up, you can easily turn cynical because you think the world failed me, right? Like this plan that I had, it, it failed me. And so I remember my dad just said, you know, honestly, Ryan, I don't have advice because I have never had to go through this. So it was my wife and I who, and I, the, the irony is I said, I've don't, never been richer, right? So I stopped paying my mortgage, but I was consulting right. and then Obama <laughs> was sending me checks and I was like, hey, this is great. I gained about 20 pounds of stress. But other than that, I was, you know, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad hindsight, but man, it really took a toll. And I think if a lot of men are open with themselves, my psyche took a big, it, there was a big loss of, of self-worth and self-esteem at that time mm -hmm. thinking this yeah, is, you have a plan I, like, I'm providing, I have yeah. a job, I buy my yeah. kids, I buy my kids and wife a home. Oh wait, I lose my job. I lose yeah. my home. And you do, so you graduate hard. with all that confidence, you know, you're, yeah, you went to school, you, right. paid, you know, paid your dues that way. It's hard. Yeah. That's that crazy. Do you think that's kind of what led you into kind of trying to start like smaller businesses or is that more of a creative outlet? You know, I think it was, it was interesting. So we moved back to California about a year and a half after Augusta and we had a good, good friend of ours who, um, just, 
one of the most, I mean, she's just like Mother Teresa, right? She did her master's in Guatemala and she had come back uh, with just all these stories and she actually happened to have this these cool artisan products. And I'm just a creative by nature. I'm just fueled by new ideas and things. I remember always trying to like invent stuff as a kid and whatever else. So it didn't really have um, anything to do with that. I just never felt like I was just always, I would say an innovator, I think is probably the best term is what can I do? And I, I always wanted to do something meaningful. And I don't know if that is for everybody. I think when I got my master's degree in organizational leadership, we really learned that there are different types of people. And a lot of us are just, are the 80%. We just kind of go with the flow and we're the people who make, they're the people who make the day-to-day work, right? They clock in, they clock out and they're needed and necessary. Um, But there are engineers and there are artists and I'm more of that artist mind where I'm always like, don't tell me what to do, right? Like, (laughs) unless I'm going to really be enjoying this, this scenario i question things i want to know what's going on and uh, and so i think it was more of an opportunistic thing that ended up being great rather than an intentional thing hmm. that's really cool and that was like your like kind of the guatemalan bags and things that you guys sold yeah that was humble Hilo. It was, exactly it was a fantastic we actually just sold the company and um it was so great it, again it allowed us to peek into another culture we learned how to we learned how business works we learned how it's meant social media right when we started instagram wasn't owned by facebook there were no algorithms and so as you guys i'm sure are in this podcast it's like hey this tool didn't work oh well we can do that i mean you're just kind of totally. like it's just <laughs> you're thrown into it and you learn by baptism by fire exactly right so and was this so you moved to atlanta and what kind of work were you doing at that point like so when I moved to Atlanta, I worked for Corporate Home Depot. So I became a okay. product a product manager. So we developed products for Home Depot. I was actually ended up, this was during the recession. So these big box retail stores were really trying to gain traction anywhere, right? It was shocking. Mm. I think that's the other thing is you learn in corporate America. I assumed everyone who was higher than me was smarter than me, right? Like, so <laughs> you are expecting these big companies to just always be doing the right thing. And you realize real quickly... And it was just scary, right? Now all of a sudden we realize now the people who run the United States, often some of them are younger than us, right? These lobbyists and senators, you're like, wait, hold on a second. I remember going to the doctor's office recently and he was like maybe 30 something. And I was like, do you know what you're doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. Did you... you graduate from medical school? Yeah. That is a weird yeah. feeling. You go in and all of a sudden yeah. you're older than the doctors. Yes. <laughs> or yeah, and older than like a pilot of a plane. You're like, oh, yeah. this is where the grumpy old person starts, right? You're just, now you can start questioning everything. Um, but yeah, so during this transition, all these retailers are trying to figure out what to do. So I was a product manager of innovation. So I actually mm. would... Um, there was an inventor portal. So if you had an invention, you could send it to this portal. I would look at the product and then see if it looked like something that was viable and if there were patents on it. And then we would get samples and see if they could be put into um, Home Depot stores. So uh, it sounded awesome. I hated it. Uh, oh, so I was, was going to say, fun. that sounds like it might fit your innovator yeah. personality. Yeah, but half the time I like explain my life to people, I'm like, this sounds way cooler than it is. It was, I was in like a really gross part of Atlanta. Our office was, I would say. And like, I just <clears throat> woke up like 
being like, is this my life? Like, this is not mm. what I planned on, on doing. Um, but hindsight, it was another step to, I think, the right place. It just, it just wasn't, it didn't look like how I would have painted the picture, I guess, is, right. is the thing. So yeah, we, we moved back to California. I got a job working for a company that did, they called it fashion plumbing. So um, we made faucets for bathrooms and showers and whatever, and, and for mainly the big box stores. Um, and then I had the opportunity to head up Latin America. And that was super fun. Um, that's where I got to travel all over Latin America and, you know, see how they work their retail stores and that type of thing. And it was tough. It was still not something I felt I was passionate about per se. Um, but I love travel and I loved culture and it was so fun. I remember like going to, uh, it was Honduras at the time and it was, the city was actually rated the most dangerous city in the world. And I was like, this is great. Clearly they're trying to kill me. And (laughs) I remember wanting to go out of the hotel to just get some food across the street. And the guy was like, where are you going? I said, I'm just going to head over there. He said, you can't leave at night. And I'm like, why? He's like, you can't leave. I'm like, okay. Right. So, (laughs) but then on the weekend I hired a private tour guide to take me up to some waterfall zip lining. And all he did the entire time was talk about how dangerous the oh. city was I'm like this is super helpful you know, yeah, you know me, i'm like Ziplining. 145 pounds and very white and i'm like this is <laughs> but it was so awesome like i got on the zipline and everyone was just staring at me i don't think they'd seen an american in how long so i had people asking to take pictures with me and i don't know who they thought i was but it was <laughs> someone it was, famous you must yeah be. yeah someone someone famous uh, sad jokes on them, but um, it was a great it was a great experience. Uh, but it just still, like I said, it didn't feel great. So we had started another company called Kindhood, which was this poncho towel company, which was a super fun product, fun brand to build. Um, didn't take off how we I think we wanted it to, so we we sold that. But yeah, I'd always just dabbled in side projects. That's fun. I think Did you usually do my, it with Erica, thing. with your wife? Yes, she. I mean. We always talk. I mean, you guys had young kids too, but yeah, Erica is a workhorse. And I think really with any relationship, I kind of told her early on, I said, Hey, listen, it's important for me to make sure that you are also following whatever passion you have. Right. So I don't want there to be any like ill feelings. I think that's what happens in a lot of, I would say marriages in any culture is you kind of forget to talk about each other's dreams and passions, right? You kind of think, okay, you're okay. I'm okay. I'm working. You're home, but it's, it's nice to, to check in. So with humble Hilo, she was very, I mean, she handled all the social media. She handled the shipping returns. It really became her business. I just kind of helped start it. Um, kindhood was something I started with some friends and I wanted her to not be part of it because I didn't want to convolute those waters at all. Um, so I did, I did, uh, most of that, but our friends at the time who we did it with, it was based out of in Utah. So they did a lot of the, all the heavy lifting and stuff and, and it just wasn't practical to keep going. So, um, timing's everything. So we ended up mm-hmm. selling that, but same thing, learned a ton. Um, and it was super fulfilling from a process standpoint. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Really cool. Well, sweet. That's really cool. I think I like didn't 
really stop to think because I knew you had both of those companies, but that's that's really yeah. fun. That's super cool. Um, yeah, so I guess like you're kind of probably up to this point approaching more of your midlife stage and we're just, we were kind of thinking about how that may have contributed to you know, the realizations you were having about maybe wanting to take your career in a different direction and yeah, what were kind of the steps? So you had the smaller businesses, but you still had a corporate job as well. Right. So yeah. How did that just kind of evolve from there? Yeah. So corporate America, I think a lot, I remember someone telling me once an old boss who was also a friend just said, Hey, listen, if you want to kind of be successful, you just kind of have to wait it out. Um, and I kept running into the same, I would say, roadblock at every company. I always felt like I would get in. People were very excited about having me. I would get, I would get these conversations like, oh my gosh, we have this fast track for you. Or we see a lot of promise in, in what you're doing. And so I would, I would have these high hopes that somebody was caring about my career, right? That someone's going to take me up this ladder of success. I also, uh, I think I was, I was taught this by my mom and she always kind of told me, Hey Ryan, it is very important for you to respect people and respect your elders, but also make sure that you demand respect. And then I found early on in corporate America, and I think it's just very difficult. I don't blame this on anybody, but there's a culture, right? There is a whole network and there are politics and I'm horrible at politics because if I have something to say, I'll say it. And uh, I remember one time someone saying, if I have to throw my business card down to be heard, I'm in the wrong job. So I started to feel like my voice or my opinion only went as high as my title. So we would be in these meetings. And like I said, for so long, I assumed everyone ahead of me or above me was was smarter than me, had more to offer, was making the right decisions with more data or information than I had. And I got older and I realized, you know what, like this, this isn't the case. And if, if my opinion's not valued or worse, if I would get every once in a while comments kind of like, Hey, you need to know your place or Hey, you know, make sure you know your audience. And, and, and it started to just mess with in my head. I kept thinking, well, maybe Maybe something's wrong with me, right? Like, so I, I started to reach out to other people and uh, I'm big on mentorship. I'm big on networking. And I was like, hey guys, tell me like, is there something wrong with me? And it got to a head where I had been kind of somewhat promised this promotion or this growth. And I went to my boss and said, hey, listen, I took this job because I was I wanted to get to this level. And and they ended up doing what they call a 360 review. And what that means is they will send everyone around you, your, your coworkers, leaders, whatever else, um, like a survey about you. And then that feedback you would get back. And I remember it happening to one of my bosses way back in the day, and that's how they got rid of her. They, they fired her quickly after that. So I had high anxiety at the time. And... I remember finally getting the feedback from this guy. This is going to sound like I'm bragging, but whatever, we'll just say it. But I remember just <laughs> feeling very, very anxious. And the guy said, hey, I've been doing this for 15 years, and I, I want to tell you. Because he asked me what my thoughts were. I said, honestly, I'm, I'm pretty um, scared about this whole thing. I, I've only seen this tool used 
to get rid of people. And he said, hey, listen, this is not the case. I've been doing this a long time. This is how they use this tool. And I will tell you after all these times, I haven't, I've never had such positive feedback. Even the negative feedback was um, positive in the light. And I actually remember almost starting to cry. And I hate I'm sure crying. I'm such a relief. But it was just this relief. However, what I realized is words weren't adding up to action. And that, that promise that I've created that someone's looking out for my career, it diminished. And I realized, Ryan, like, this is your life, right? Like, you, you can either sit in a place where you're waiting for everybody else to take you to this place that you, you think you deserve to be or you want to be, or you got to go out there and figure this out. And so that's when I realized it's up to me. I got to do this. So that's when I started to kind of transition. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's such a good point. I think we all kind of get complacent in what we're doing and we have to make it happen ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> kind of push it forward. And I'm sure that gave you a lot of confidence to get that feedback, you know, seeing the discrepancy, but also seeing like, oh, like I could probably do something on my own or be successful if I had this great of a, you know, review or feedback from people and gave you a little bit of confidence. Yeah, it definitely helped. Um, so maybe you just start talking about when you decided to start the design. I know that like maybe it was always an interest to you and I've seen your beautiful home. And so how did you decide I'm going to start this kind of side gig? Yeah. <laughs> it's well, it's kind of funny. It actually happened. Um, a good friend, you know her well, Chantel Holly. I do. Um, we like yes. her on some time too. She's got a you, story to tell. She's fantastic. And, and she's so awesome. She, she one time said to me, she said, Hey Ryan, she just called me and she said, listen, you're super opinionated and you have good taste and I want to pay you to help me with my house because I, it feels better if I can just boss you around if there's money behind it. And I said, okay. Exactly like yes. what she would say. Pretty much. Yeah. We have, we have very, a lot of similarities and a lot of differences. And I said, oh, okay, let's do this. So I just started helping them. And like I said, working in home building, my job in marketing was we, we handled the model homes. Um, not we managed the interior design process and i always really enjoyed that part of it um the irony in all of this chantilly you will remember but i always remember i just liked part of going on vacation i like the location but staying in a place is also part of that experience and even as a young kid your family i think had the first stucco home that i'd ever seen right and and so for me, I remember being, I love being at your home, not just because I was treated so well there and your brother was my best friend, but I also enjoyed it because it was nice. And it's funny, I think, when you look back on your path, uh, one of my favorite books is Siddhartha. I don't know if you've read Siddhartha, but it basically it kind of says we all have a unique gift and purpose to share with the world and you kind of have to find it and live by it. But the universe will take you where you kind of need to go. So looking back through it, I always loved, I've always loved homes. I've always loved cool hotels, cool restaurants, you know, anything that was in a creative thing, it, it actually energized, energized me. So uh, going down that path with home building, I liked it. So when Holly said, hey, help me do my house, I said, cool, let's do it. So we did that. And then um, it led to her best friend, who's also a close friend of mine, who you know as well, Elena. And My she said, neighbor, yeah. yes, she said, hey, can you help me with this home that they were building um, kind of in Heber Camas area? I said, sure. 
And then that led to more people just asking me what to do. And then during this past five years, obviously, we know that home building and home remodeling has become crazy. And when my parents were were gone, they were in um, Puerto Rico serving a mission for our faith, the hurricanes hit. And I remember wanting to do something. So I said, let's put together an auction. And through that auction, I met this wonderful lady named Lara. And uh, we got to talking and she'd done a bunch of interior design. And I said, man, I, I just love it. You know, it's so great. And about two weeks after this whole auction thing, she called me and said, hey, I have a big project and I need your help. And I was like, okay. And I don't know why she called me. I didn't have credentials. I didn't have a portfolio. I didn't have anything. But uh, I think she just enjoyed working with me. And so I said, great. So we started down that project and really it just led from one to another. And there was, I got so busy that I came to this point where I said, okay, do I do this full time? Can I do this full time? You know, that that's really where it was. But I, I really kind of got to this critical moment of what do I do? Do I lean into this or do I just kind of keep it this side hobby? That is so fun. And obviously I've seen the pictures of both of their homes and you're very talented. <laughs> beautiful. Oh, thank beautiful. you. And um, you did the uh, Holly's other one, right? Her. Yeah, oh, yes. They, she called me to do their lake house. And, and like I said, it wasn't full. It was a lot of just, they did a lot of stuff. It was helping, but I learned so much through all of these processes. And, and I think part of it too is, you know, you want to enjoy working with somebody that you know and trust and that, that made it fun too. So they kept, they called me back to do it again, which was awesome. Yeah. That's super mm. fun. Yeah. Well, that's a huge decision. So what, I mean, you're, you're trying to weigh that out of, you know, leaving your full-time job, I'm assuming like, and go to this more part-time thing and making it full. So what, what was the most challenging part would you say of leaving that and deciding to go out on your own? I mean, to be honest, it is the, the one side of it is your dad, right? Is I remember sitting with my wife and saying, Hey, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to go chase this dream and it affects my family in a negative way, right? If I had to choose between a stable life for my kids and chasing this passion, I would say, listen, my job isn't bad. I, I enjoy it. I want to make sure there's stability for my family. So that was the big thing, right? Is I think, and this could be a whole other conversation, but I think of the amount of talented intelligent, hardworking people are out there that simply are either too scared or can't chase their dreams because how do you pay for healthcare, right? That was my big one. Right. What in the world do I do with healthcare? What if this doesn't work? You know, how do I pay for bills? How do I get this set up? Do I, you know, there's all these just, it was a very, very beginning, which is very logistical and, um, it just kind of petrified me a little bit. So that was the biggest hurdle was literally, can I do this? Right? Like you get to hear what I love about your podcast and the idea is, and I think what I want the audience to know is I'm not ultra successful, right? You get to hear all these podcasts of these people who look, they've made it. And it really does seem right. while it's inspiring and I learned so much and I love it. It seems so out of, reach 
for me, right? Like, do I think I'm going to be this incredibly famous, renowned designer? Like, I, I don't know, but I, I like hearing from people who just are normal. And I started to interview yeah. a bunch of people around me who were entrepreneurs who are successful, but they're normal people. And I mean, I started talking to everybody who did it. And I just, and that was so rewarding um, in seeing not only that, but people want to help you move forward. That's the one piece that I came away is everyone said, Ryan, do it, right? Here are some things that are, are scary about it, but do it. I don't regret it. Uh, some people say, I wish I would have done it sooner, which I kind of always go back and say, no, I think the time's right when it's right. You're, you, you'll know um, when that time is is right. But I, I always, I'm a very calculated risk taker. I'm not somebody who will just, you know, I can say like f- free fall. I'm like, okay, well, let me make sure the bungees are there and you know what you're doing. Okay, right. <laughs> Someone have a pillow at the bottom. Like, I don't want to just be there. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a jumper. I'm like, a, okay, like I like the adrenaline, but I don't like the, I don't like a chance of death, I guess I would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little risk averse. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, you talked about a little bit in your outline about your self-belief. Like at what point do you think you were like, okay, I believe in myself or how did that process look? Yeah. You know, when you were deciding. Yes. And I, like I said, I, I wanted to, it is a big part of it and it very big on feeling genuine with my words. So this is something that I always say, like the problem with talent is you can see it in everybody else. It's very difficult to see in yourself. Right. So outwardly I, I can look at anybody and I'm always so I don't use the term much envious anymore because I really try to be happy for people for what they're able to do. Some people are great speakers, writers, athletes, whatever it may be. Uh, so, to, But your talents don't seem like talents to yourself because it's, it's natural. Right? I just I feel like what I know how to do, I just assume, well, everyone can, everyone can do that, right? So why would I go start a company? So then I would see these other designers and it also looked like they could do it way better than me. And and that's the problem is you're comparing somebody to potentially a future self of yours, right? Like 10 years down the road. So when you guys are starting a podcast, you sit there and listen to these interviews and you're like, oh my goodness, that person sounds so crisp and so clear and the transitions are fluid. And then it's like, but if you're to reach out and say, hey, give me, give me your first one, right? Your first yeah, exactly. And, and they would just, they would yeah. laugh and they would talk about it. Jordan Peterson's one of my favorite thought leaders. And, and he says, you know, we stand on the shoulders of those before us. And so we have a higher view. And I've always loved that. So I feel like the nice thing is, is I was able to see what a lot of other designers have done. And so I feel like I got a little bit of a head start in, in some areas, I couldn't imagine having started this back before the internet, right? Back before a lot of these these tools. So I've seen some really, um, had some really great designer friends. And, and so I felt like I was able to kind of speed start some of that portion of it. But you never fully, it feels awkward to say, I'm good enough at this to where someone's going to pay me to do it. Right. Like that just is a very weird thing to, to get to. Um, and so I got some advice from a, a book, uh, 
uh, called Choose Possibility, which I highly, highly recommend, um, that basically said, listen, choice is not binary. You don't just say, okay, I'm going to start this podcast. First one was was bad, so I'm out, right? And yeah. <laughs> you, because it's easy it's easy to do, uh, but it's, okay, now what am I going to do? And it's just that continual pivot, pivot, pivot. It's all the choices after that first choice um, that I think are just as equally as, as important. And so for me, the nice thing was I was able to build it on the side and make sure financially I had some nice things fell into place to where I said, okay, I'm going to give this a good shot. And if I end up in corporate America... In eight, 10 months, that's not a failure. I just could not think right. of going my whole life wanting to do this and never knowing if it was going to work. That ate at me. And that's when I decided, okay, listen. And I, I talked, again, this was a family decision. And my wife, who honestly said, I can't say enough great things, she said, yeah. She just didn't doubt me. She's like, we're going to be fine. We're going to be okay. And I'm like, are you? Like... And I'll get into this maybe a little later, but I actually ended up having to go to the doctor. Um, I was diagnosed with anxiety and that was a whole other part of it that was, so I did this with anxiety through the most part. And then it started mm. to kind of eat at me and my wife said, Hey, you're not okay. Like you need to go, you need to go see somebody. And luckily the benefit of COVID and telemedicine was I was able to do it for me, which felt safe. There was a little bit of safety behind the screen to just go talk to a doctor. Right. And the problem, a lot of it too, is like anyone who goes through, you know, you, you would think, well, I've seen people with real anxiety. I've seen people with real depression. I don't have that. And then I thought to myself, well, Ryan, if you have a lot of cancer or a little cancer, <laughs> It's probably best to just get rid of the cancer, right? So you yeah. and I remember seeing talking to this doctor and I had an interview like this through the through the monitor and thinking I was just crushing his questions, right? Like, have you ever thought about suicide? I'm like, no. And then at the end of our discussion, he's like, well, it's very, you know, it's apparent to me that you have um, a high amount of anxiety and, and a little depression. I was like, what? Like, hey, <laughs> jerk. You don't know yeah, me. You don't know me at all. And then he's and it was funny. So I ended up... Um, just going on a little bit of medication and man, it changed everything for me, uh, which I, you know, so going through these things, like I said, they're not easy. You need a lot of support. It's really great to have. I have my own blinders uh, and that's why it's important to have these friends and loved ones who you do trust. And I asked them, Hey, what are my strengths? Where do you think my blind spots are? And it was a very rewarding exercise, very humbling in in many cases because you don't always want to hear some of those things and it also feels uncomfortable to have people compliment you to your face uh, but it was it was great so I, I think all of those things mm -hmm. kind of helped me overcome that to get that self-belief yeah I think that's really hard I think I mean Lindsay and I we don't have the pressure of um, starting a podcast and providing for our children yeah, we're not even planning on making money. This is like a yeah. hobby. Oh, but it's the best place the imposter to start. syndrome, yeah. or exactly a hobby. That's the hobby. Yeah, but like the imposter syndrome. I have what makes me think I can do this, and then I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do the technology. How do we make these you know interviews flow? But that just like you said, like our first one, we will probably go back on our first few and be like, wow, we had a lot of things to work on, and the practice ones we did, 
that we're not really seeing were super helpful. And but like you said, like you have people in your corner. We had people telling us great feedback, both the like things we needed to work on, things we were doing good, you know. And it's so helpful to have like people behind you, friends, family, experts, people that have done it, people that have been there before, as well as, you know, any type of, yeah, I don't know, just confidence building, whatever it is. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah, I love how you talked about how you asked people, you know, like, you're so right. Sometimes you can't see your blind spots and the things. So anyway, I just think that's a huge, but also shows a lot of um, like, self-confidence to be vulnerable and put yourself in that position to ask people like show me my weaknesses so I think that's super cool that you did that and obviously has been really helpful and then also like seeking help for your anxiety I mean a lot of people I think live with it and just push it down and live with it and it's hard and it eats away at you but like going and seeing someone I mean it's a brave thing to do but like you said I mean it helps so much so anyway I just love that message and I mean that's kind of we didn't even know we'd be talking about that, but I love that that worked its way into here. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Yes. <laughs> um, do you, I, so you mentioned um, about a piece you wrote called the other side of fear and um, you sent it to me and I just thought it was super powerful. Would you mind reading it or mind if I read it? Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and read it since you probably have it handy and I'll, maybe I'll elaborate on it. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it says it's called the other side of fear. A friend recently asked me how my new business is going, expressing a desire to do the same, but filled with all the same doubts we all possess. My response to them was simple. I wish I could let you feel what the other side of fear is like. The other side of fear is a new kind of peace and perspective. Whether you're afraid to start a new job, start your own business, make that appointment with the therapist you know you need, have that conversation, sign up for that class, whatever it may be, fear is normal. But the other side of fear of that fear is wonderful. Don't miss out on all it has to offer you. I just thought it was so beautiful. Yeah, that is very beautiful. Thanks. Yeah, I I think that's what is so the tough part is, and I'm sure that's why there are so many cliches in this world because people just want to hand it to you, right? You want to give, you watch your kids grow up and you want to hand them your experience because you're like, if you know what I know, you're not going to do this or you are going to do this. Like you just want to just shove it. You want to, give your heart, rip it out and put it into somebody else's or their brain because you know what it's, it's like. And that's, but you cannot give somebody that experience. And I think it's very intentional the way we're created because that reward wouldn't feel as good. Uh, But all I can do is really cheer people on. And I'm somebody who also loves to, um, to talk, to instruct, to teach, to whatever it is. And I want to say what, like, I've been given this now. I stepped over that fear and I woke up and I'm still here and my kids are still fed and I'm still making this work. And it is so great and so beneficial. And, and I think, like you said, that not everybody has this desire to step out on their own, but everyone has something. I think something they're very scared to do or face that they know would probably end up being a benefit. Um, and I just, I think that's what I hope to continue to just encourage is get past it. Cause the other side of it is so rewarding. Yeah. I think that's, that's so, so beautiful. Good. And I think that's kind of almost like a, how we want our podcast to be is to have people learn those things from our guests, like mm-hmm. the other side of a transition, the other side of fear, the other, 
like some, someone's been through this and this is how they see beauty. This is how they've learned. This is how they've, you know, conquered their fear, whatever it is. Like, that's the whole point. We want to share people's experiences and their amazing stories and, and then just their advice after the fact. And there's so many different transitions, so many different perspectives, even in a, in a similar transition. And so I just thought it was such a great, just well, just kind of well-written kind of message that I think is awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So also in your outline, you talked, you actually call them three cliches that you referred to, um, that, and how they applied to you. But it's funny that you said cliches. Cause I was just like to Chantel, actually, those are really beautiful. Like they're they're. I mean, I guess you could call them a cliche, but anyway, People we wondered, saying, yeah. yeah, but maybe if you could, um, expand on each, the way that you presented it to us actually just kind of took it away from being a cliche to like profound. So could you maybe talk a little bit more sure. about those? Well, I think that's just it is we hear so many cliches our whole life and it doesn't matter how much Hollywood can try to put it in a movie, right? You see all these romance movies and love, but until you feel love, that doesn't mean anything to you, right? It's, it's, you can hope for it or wish for it, but then when it happens and you've, you experience it, you're like, Oh, that's what they're talking about. Right. So for me, right. All everyone would say, I remember, you know, when you first have your babies and you're walking around, everyone's like, you know, life is short. And you're like, all right, how about you stop? Why don't you change this diaper? You tell me how short this is, right? <laughs> yeah. It's going to go yeah. on forever. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. But then <laughs> you realize the depth of life is short when you see your kid graduate from high school, right. And how quick that went or, um, if you lose someone you love, I know Chantilly lost your mom, who's just one of the most beautiful people ever. And, and we lost uh, our father-in-law just out of nowhere a couple of years ago. And I remember thinking, here's this cliche staring me right in the face because no one gets to promise me tomorrow, right? Life is, is so mm-hmm. short. So what, what am I going to do with it? And that's what these, these older people... Um, they just have this wisdom because they know they're, I remember my grandma was, had dementia and she was in her eighties and my aunt would come in and show her just an album of her family. And it was towards the end. And my grandma said this thing that I will never forget. She got the end of the, all these pictures and she said, ah, how did I live so fast? And that stuck with me because it, it flies by, right? Yeah, I don't know if you have anything you were going to say about that, but I know you guys have kind of been through that. No, I mean, obviously it hits, yeah, home to me with my mom and, and then just the idea that we aren't promised any time. I mean, it just is. And so the whole enjoy the moment and be and be present and all of that is just super important and becomes, you know, so real when you're like, oh, I had these moments with my mom. And now I don't. So enjoy the moments I have with the people I love and the people around me and spend my time like thoughtfully because yeah, I'm not promised. I'm not promised any certain amount of time. And I think that's why we go through some of these, these things because it gives us a different appreciation. And, and I think some people sacrifice so much and oftentimes it's, they don't get to see the benefit of it because the lessons are, are kind of left, you know, left behind. Um, the other one I think that I mentioned was that, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. And that's, I was so pleasantly surprised. I remember posting 
on LinkedIn and Instagram that I had started this business. And the amount of people that showed up for me to encourage me on and the people who I didn't even know were watching, right? I didn't know anyone. No one, I, like, no one cares about me, right? Other than the people who, who really yeah. love me. But I was surprised who and who wasn't there, I guess, is what's so awesome um, about all of that was that you, the relationships that are sometimes most valuable, you don't always expect them um, to be there. But had I judged any of those people initially, I just, I wouldn't have known. And I'm so grateful um, to go through this because it really just really gave me this belief that the majority of people really want good things for you and want to help you and, and want to see you succeed. And if they don't, that is something to really cut out of your life so fast. That is so true. Yeah. It is interesting when you kind of go out on a limb with things, the people that show up that surprise you, you know, I mean, I love that. And I remember like Chantel knows this, but I wrote a book like 10 years ago (laughs) and anyway, it was a historical fiction novel. And, um, but anyway, I always remember and Corey's aunt that is this person will know who, who she is that I'm talking, but she showed up to one of my book events that was like really far for her to drive to. And just like, was the sweetest thing. And it meant so much to me. And same thing. I would have never guessed that she'd be the one, you know, to drive 45 minutes to just come to a little book signing with me and my kid just sitting there and no one else. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's really neat to just the people kind of come out of the woodwork. And, and I always have to remember too, like she, or people are in a, a specific place that they can help sometimes in their life. And then sometimes people aren't, but you know, different phases of life. And such a lesson up. to us to that's, show up, you know, what's right. I think that's where, life, really. um, and our you know, I always hope too, is I was, people have questions or people want to know, you know, more about my story. I, I've had people just reach out to me who I would have never thought of, um, who just will say, Hey, I was inspired by this, or I like this, or, Hey, can you, even designers who've been in the industry longer than me have, you know, reached out and said, Hey, what, a, what do you think about this or that? And I just always hope that because I now have seen and been given so much confidence and help that that's my job now is to, is to pass it out. Right. So all of a sudden you're going to find that you, you know, your podcast grows and gets bigger and you're going to learn so much and you hopefully don't get to a point where you're too big to remember all those people who are just starting out. Uh, I guess we yeah. can dream big. But yeah, yeah, we'll dream big. But um, <laughs> but it's been awesome for people like even with our podcast, like, yeah. oh, we can't wait till you release an episode. Please tell us. Or we know someone that would be so awesome. Or mm-hmm. I mean, even strangers. I was in a um, lift today. I had to take my car in to, the, to get serviced. And on the way back, he's like, oh, what are you doing today? And funny enough, I was like reading your outline. And he's like, I'm like, well, actually, I started a podcast. I'm doing an interview today. And he was like, well, what's the name of it? I want to listen to it. And like even perfect strangers want to like support others. I think humans are like more amazing than we can give credit to sometimes because he just wanted to like support me because we had a great, actually a really great conversation in in the 10 minute Uber, you know, like Lyft or whatever. And he was like, I'll write that down and I'll, I'll watch for that, you know? And I was like, wow, I want that. That made me want to like support other people and their hobbies and businesses and their dreams and to be someone that's there like even just a wow that's amazing that's I know because some people will be like oh that's so brave or that's so and it's like oh oh yeah yeah Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) and I think what it sometimes makes me realize is it doesn't take that long sometimes to say the encouraging word or 
or to like or comment on the post or whatever it might be, but it means so much to the person. So that's the reminder too that, you know, we can take home is like, okay, taking the 10 seconds or the minute or whatever that conversation is can really go a long way and truly like caring. I mean, I think I love how you said that most people want the best for others and are, are rooting them on. So why not voice it, you know, and when we're feeling that way. So, yeah. And especially when you feel, you know, you, you're, withholding it sometimes we withhold those comments uh for various reasons and i I try to be very cognizant of why am i not you know one of the things is if if i don't have anything nice to say that person doesn't deserve my like maybe unfollow this person right or change of heart maybe it's time to check in with that person and call i was surprised i'm sure chantilly you know you know losing your mom i had a friend lose her mom recently and one thing i learned was to do more than just text, I'm sorry for your loss, right? Is to pick up the phone and show up and you'd always be very respectful. Everyone's going to grieve in different ways, but they'll remember they'll remember your effort, right? And that's that's kind of it's death is a very tricky way to navigate because emotions go overall. But all I know is people who know me know I'm gonna show up the way I would show up. And I will respectfully say, Hey, if you're like, I need time, great, but please know I am here. Right. And me withholding some of these compliments on social media or something because I'm either jealous or frustrated or whatever, like that person doesn't deserve that. So I either need to do them a favor and get out of their life or you know what? Compliment somebody, change their day, make it worthwhile. Well, and I do feel like when my mom passed away, one of the most meaningful things was and you did you actually did this was to send me memories of my mom so Mm. if someone sent me this is what I loved about your mom or this was a memory about my mom that was the most special thing I mean obviously a lot of people like my close friends now didn't know my mom that well so just Mm -hmm. the reaching out but the ones that really knew her like that brought her back to like the real her because for years she wasn't herself and so Mm. to have you bring up the things that you remember about her and your mom did the same thing it was like super special so that's a really good way to reach out you know because it just I don't know. It makes you realize people loved my mom too and recognized her goodness. That's really cool. I like that. I've had it where, oh, also like both things that you kind of talked about where maybe someone has a loved one pass away where I want to say something or I want to do something nice, but you also are like, am I going to say this right? Am I going to possibly, you know, not, not do it in the most respectful way or whatever. So maybe I've held back and then regretted not reaching out or sending a little gift or, you know, is this going to be the right thing to send or whatever, but so I've kind of learned that is like, and actually my mom, ha- I think she has this, she had it hung up somewhere in her house for a while, but it was like, never suppress a kind thought or action. I can't yeah, remember the great. exact word, probably butchered it, but, and, um, and then also going back to the other thing, sometimes I find it's my own insecurity, maybe not wanting to reach out and compliment, you know, like you said, dig deep and find, where is that coming from? Our, our tendency to hold back. Is it jealousy? Is it insecurity? You know, is it being sometimes for me, am I not going to say the right thing in the right moment? You know? So anyway, I just love the overall message of just kind of, sometimes we have to be vulnerable and put ourselves out there a little bit more. So. Yeah. I, I mean, this is short. It just kind of people will say, you know, play your cards, right. And that kind of ties into the other one is that, you know, life isn't guaranteed. Um, and so it's just a matter of just being a very intentional and thoughtful about your, your every single, every single day, you know, again, back to that book, uh, Siddhartha is this, this kid's just on this quest to, to find meaning 
meaning in life. And really, I think the real reward is, is in the whole journey of it is just saying, okay, right. Like, what am I going to, what's the point of my day? What's the point of all of this? And just to lay that out, have conversations, man, have conversations with different people asking them about that type of thing. I think my most rewarding experiences are just good conversations with the people I care about that have to deal with the, the overall meaning of life. Right. And you find that really what it is, is it's those experiences. It's that time. Um, I love designing homes and that will be a passion of mine. And, and it has now been now a career, but really what I've loved is, everything that's led up to that because it makes this part so enjoyable, right? It makes providing for my family rewarding. It makes everything I've been through have more meaning to it. Yeah. That's perfectly said. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, I don't know if you want, cause we had noticed that you had mentioned even, you know, in your outline in a couple of times today, all the people that have been by your side, like helping you. Um, if there's anybody you want to, mention personally or that's fine if you don't but people that have been part of your journey um and maybe some of their advice that they've given you i mean you mentioned a few things but oh so many people and i mean to say like i mean holly was one of them she said hey ryan when you write your first book you're gonna dedicate this to me um in fact all of this yeah she's like all of all of your success, just remember that I started it all uh <laughs> more or less she's just joking but really she I think she made me look at it as a real possibility. Um, same thing that we talked about Elena for her and her husband, which she said, when we build our next house, we, we, you know, are doing this with, with Ryan. So these people who trusted me when really there was no basis to be trust other than they liked me. Right. And then parents are always, unfortunately, parents are the most amazing things because we just don't treat them how we should most of the time because they seem obnoxious 90% of the time, which is how I know my kids now look at me. Um, but they were there uh, just to say, go after this. I'm here for you if you need anything. And just knowing that there's that, that backup. Um, obviously, my wife, who just said, let's go for it, right? She was willing to fail with me. Right. She's willing to say, hey, listen, if I got to get a job, I got to get a job. And I think as a spouse or as, you know, whatever your significant other is, there's such a big opportunity to make sure you're consistently united over and over again. Because if you're holding feelings of like, one, if you don't believe in your spouse, I mean, it's almost a lost cause because anything that they do is just going to like annoy you more and you're going to like hold it in your back pocket to pull out and degrade them. And that that's just not a healthy relationship. So to make sure that there is somewhat of a plan, it doesn't need to be concrete, but it should be, hey, what does the next six months look like to you? What what do you think? And I would ask her, I'm like, are you OK with this? You know, what's going on? Uh, so really those continual check-ins uh, with your significant other, or even if it's a business partner or a friend, assuming things are okay all the time is just not the way to go. So scheduling time to, to sit down and say, what are you thinking, right? Am I spending too much time at work? Am I focused on this? Uh, that That is something I feel my wife's just been really great at. Um, I also am a communicator by nature, so it's important to me to make sure. If you're mad at me, I hate that. <laughs> that was part of 
The medication has helped. Yeah. But trust me, I've had like 3 a.m. mornings. I'm like, I wonder if this kid still hates me from the fourth grade. Um, that, that's when I realized, oh, you do have problems. <laughs> Something is wrong here. Uh, but just checking in with people, just, yeah, just checking in with people, I think is, is so important. And then just all these great people around me who just have, have just given me great advice. I mean, I hope they know who they are. Right. I think it's really cool because I can go back. Obviously, we knew each other's children and then we kind of had our busy lives, you know, but I always knew you were someone like if I called or talked to, it would be natural. And so I think that like for me, why people would want to support you and why Holly and Lena like had all their trust in you is because you are someone where you easily have a conversation with you and you feel connected and you I feel like you care about what I'm doing. And you were like when I talked to you about our podcast a couple months ago, you were so like just do it and give you know, like had this good advice. And you mentioned, you know, some of the books you've read that helped you through it. And I feel like that's why people want to help you because you are a likable person that makes people feel comfortable and feel connected. Like I kept telling Lindsay, I'm just so excited to meet <laughs> Ryan. Like, yeah, he's just a really were, just yeah. great person. He's got a great fun personality. He has wise things to say. He, you know, I feel like you have confidence, but you don't take yourself too seriously and you can joke around with, you know, anything that, you know, your weaknesses or whatever, you're going to be like throwing it all out there and not, you know, try to hide those things. So I just feel like that's what feels you know, like a real conversation or like a connection. And I've been like thinking a lot about my values lately. And I like, what are my values? And I'd probably say my number one is connection. Like that's super important to me that if I'm going to have a friend or relationship, there is some sort of connection. Like we don't just talk about the weather and maybe even just our, what our kids are doing, but like what are we doing for our kids and what are we like, what are our thoughts and beliefs on this and that? And it, it's super inspiring to hear just the things that you've like mentioned your thought yeah. process, you know, and I, so I, I know why that a means a lot. Are. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think taking that to like the deeper level with the conversations and you've been amazing at that. So oh, thank you. Thanks so much. Um, and you had like one last point, just kind of about starting to take the small steps towards the thing. Do you want to just expand on that yeah, a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, more? I think that's in general, everyone's wanting to get to this finish line so much faster um, than really, and we all want it, right? It's like all of a sudden we want to graduate from college and you want it to be done. You want, I always get a little bit of that credit card theory, right? Give it to me now and I'll work for it. But to work for something that you don't know what the end result's <laughs> going to be like is a tough, is a tough putt, right? Cause you, no one's going to promise you a successful anything, uh, you know, successful relationships, successful right. marriage, successful career. It's just not guaranteed. And it's because the, the reward is not in that end result. I can think of probably a, I think that Harvard did the longest study ever on true happiness and they got people from very wealthy parts of the world and people who were very impoverished and they took them over. It was like a 70 year experiment to test what happiness was. And really what they found is it was people who had meaningful relationships. That's what brought them happiness. And I think back, you know, I can look back and be very frustrated that my career didn't take me where I wanted it to go, but man, it, Every step looking back, I met very fantastic people, each of them giving me a piece, right? I worked for a home builder who 
led me to fully understand that process of home building. I worked for a company who helped me understand retail and wholesale and how that worked. And then I worked for another cabinet company and taught me kitchen design. I mean, it just was, you have to look back. You have to intentionally choose the beauty in the path and know that it was part of it. Um, it will be frustrating. It hurts. It's everything that, like I said, every cliche that's ever been there wrapped up in one. Um, and then at the end of it, you have to you have to really believe like, hey, this is, I'm going to choose that this is happy. I could easily be frustrated with where I am, for sure. Um, it's very difficult to look at people who may have had a different starting line than you have or may have surpassed where you are or doing things better than you are and those are real. They will come up. You're lying to yourself if you don't have those feelings. But it's again that continual check in to say, hey, you know what? Like, what I, I would have missed so much, right? If I didn't take the path that I took. Right. Yeah, that is so true. <clears throat> I mean, I think of all the different places. Like, we didn't like buy a home until way later in our marriage, just with schooling and everything. And it was like, I just wanted to feel mm -hmm. settled and have a home. And like feel like I had a I was could be the the wife and the mom and have a yard and a house, but I look back now and think, wow, I would have missed out on so many amazing people if we hadn't done that internship, if we hadn't moved here, if we hadn't, you know, rented this place or that place. Like people, yeah, connections and the just amazing things you can learn from different people. Like I, I don't regret any of those times. But even though when you want to rush things, like you said, like graduate from college and get that home and, you know, but like enjoy the process because. It can be, you know, can be hard at times, but there's yeah. A quote I had heard well. recently from somebody, Maybe, which I really... now I had written down was says, "If if you're depressed, you're living in the past. If you're anxious, you're living in the future. But if you're happy, you're living in the present." Yeah, mm. that's awesome. That's yeah. So true. <laughs> it's easy. Yeah, it's easy to get forget that for sure. Um. Do you, okay, I don't, it's like I don't quite want to end, but we've already been chatting for like an hour and 23 minutes, but, um, but if you have any other thoughts that you're thinking you want to share, and then we kind of are wanting to wrap, like, wrap up at the end, you know, what, like, how do you find beauty in life after going through this? No, I read this question, and I wanted to give it a lot of thought uh, before I answered, and where I have come to is that I focus on the people I can make eye contact with. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the beauty to me is I think we are living life sometimes, I mentioned a little bit too, Chantel, this invisible audience, right? We're making all of these decisions and looking at our success and focusing on all these things for people who we're not even connected to or with. But if you can focus mm -hmm. on the people you can make eye contact with, um, that's where I think I find beauty. So it's me sitting down if I'm with my daughter and looking her in the eyes and talking to her. If I'm at the convenience store, how many times are you looking at your phone and just ring check out instead of saying, thank you so much, right? That these people are people and that my influence, I can get so sad by the news, the frustration you see, and it's just coming at us twice as fast as it ever has before and it and you want to do something and you do want to do something bigger but we are forgetting to start right i always say like if everybody went and helped their neighbor then the whole world would be fixed in a day right uh so if you can focus on the people that you can make eye contact with start there and as 
that influence grows, you know, so be it. But that's that's the simplest form of beauty I think that I can I can really give. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. I just wrote that down and I'm going to hang it up in my house. I'll cross stitch it for you. <laughs> At least yeah. I got to remember that one. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. We'll, we'll can you make you. us a pillow or something? <laughs> well, uh, that's just so simple, but so powerful Yeah. because I do find myself even like I, with my kids, sometimes you're like kind of on your phone or you're cooking dinner mm-hmm. and your kids just want a moment of your time. And so if you take the time, like you said, to just look them in the eye and have a conversation, it ends up being something yeah. so like small but so important and yeah. can be so beautiful like and you do notice the difference when you make that eye contact i i love that and i love how you brought it even to people like we encounter in the community you know i mean it does it makes such a difference to just look at someone and say thank you or you know right i mean even I, the lift guy when he's like yeah. i want to listen to your podcast i was like you're some stranger i don't even know no. you yeah. but yet you are like wanting to support my podcast yeah like, Super cool. And it kind of goes back to your whole, like not holding back compliments. Mm -hmm. If you could look at people in their eye and give them a smile, a compliment, something is huge. Yeah. And I mean, it's for them, but it's also for us. Don't you feel better when you're, you know, making that connection with people in a real way, but I'm, I'm the worst. I mean, sometimes I am just zoned into my phone. So anyway, thank you. That was very, (laughs) very, that was a really good nugget to share. (laughs) Love it. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah. Did you have any final thoughts or we can, we, we did want to talk a little bit more about what you do, like for your company and the services you provide. Um, so do you want to dive into that now or? Yeah, sure. I mean, in most of it, you can find me on Instagram. I think you said you'd share that. So I'm just a, a full, um, interior designer. So from, you know, whether building a custom home or, or remodeling, that's kind of my whole thing is I, I do have a firm belief that good design actually does add value to your space. If you feel energized by where you live, if there's peace to your space, um, there's a reason I think art and places you want to go back to because they evoke evoke a feeling. And so I do think it's uh, I do think it has more power to it than just like, oh, this looks really pretty. I think it should it should feel like a representation of you. And if you aren't feeling calm and tranquil and energized by your space, then you know, it's, it's not done right. And I think it can add value to, to your life, but, um, yeah, nothing, nothing special. A lot of people do all different types of things. What would you say your favorite part of it is? I mean, building, do you like remodeling? Do you like more of the furniture? Do you like more of the outside of the house? Do you like, that's such a good, I mean, I think it's like asking a painter that question. It's just like, (laughs) I think there's one for me, what it really is fun to talk about connectedness. I love meeting a client and figuring out like okay this is their style and then you show them a mood board and they're like oh my gosh i'm so excited for this right Mm, and then there's all the mess of the process of me taking all of your money and spending it all and then you're stressed (laughs) they always say the best part of design is when the designer shows up and then when the designer leaves Um, and that's that's probably very very true Um, but to really turn this over and I, i mean this sounds really cheesy too but I would always, I teach um, youth, you know, in the, in the mornings before school. And sometimes I will always do a whole divine design lesson. And this, hey, this is the exact same space it always was, but we transformed it inside mm-hmm. and out. And there's just such a beauty in that. There's so many metaphors and saying, hey, I can take down your ugly wall. Like none of this is permanent. <laughs> yeah. We can transform this into something else. So to see the potential in something that other people can't see and to kind of experience that excitement together is just, it's awesome. It's super fun. And I think that's why I, I continue to do it. 
Right. Mm. Well, you can like see it in your face, like how excited you get when you talked about that. Like when you talk about being able to share with somebody like, and them getting excited about what you're going to do for them. That's awesome. So that's great. That's really cool. And it wasn't even one of the things you said, and he just came up with that. Like, like communicating with the people and, and bringing them what they, I don't know. I just love that. That's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. So all good things have to come to an end, Ryan, but yeah, they do. They do. (laughs) Yeah. So let's just like share his Instagram page at smart studio designs or at smart studio designs. And I just started following you a couple weeks ago and it is beautiful work. And I love how you use like the word peaceful and tranquil because that's actually what you feel. When you yeah, see the like pictures, that's the yeah. feeling that I get, and and just really like, just super pretty. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah, just really nice. And the website is smartstudiodesigns.com. And yes, it, I mean, I I also thought it would be cool to um, include the books in the show notes so people could look in the show notes about those books and like the authors that they may want to refer okay. to those later. Yeah. So those yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Well, Ryan, it's been awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. We really, thanks for having me. It's so fun to just chat about all of this stuff because it kind of reinvigorates, you know, some of the things of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And then just seeing great people, like I said, I think there's a space to share that most of us are normal, but that's. Yeah. That's kind of what we want. Like our tagline is kind of like extraordinary transition in ordinary lives yeah Just yeah yes. ordinary people mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will relate to a lot of, part of parts of your story and find it really impactful as well so thank you so much yeah I hope so thank you guys for including me thank you so much for listening today we hope you enjoyed this conversation and would love if you subscribe to the podcast and followed along as we continue hearing more inspiring stories you can also follow us on Instagram at beautiful shifts podcast where we will post updates with our latest interviews. We'd like to thank the band We The Lion for giving us permission to use their beautiful song Move Along for our podcast. Take a minute to listen to the song and the lyrics and enjoy. I find a way to know myself All my thoughts are mine again And begin to understand where to go Now it's time to move along Now it's time to move along Take this journey as my own Feel the strength right in my bones All I want is to believe Life is my own Life is my own I'll start again, my mind is free now I can feel the truth in me I'll take a chance, I won't be wrong Now it's time to move now it's time to move along. Take this journey.